Welcome to Pastoral Advisory, Culturally Incorrect Material. This podcast is brought to you by May the Exchange Media Lab. If you would like to be on the show, you can contact me at bethechurch.go at gmail.com. If you are interested in some of our training, you could go to www.bethechurch.training and download some material there for free. All right, let's get into today's episode. I am excited for this podcast, guys. This is a special recording of our Thursday night teaching that we do, um, and Gary Bronson was with us. So this is a little bit longer than my typical podcasts, but uh, I hope you learned something. Enjoy. All right, cool. Hey, guys, welcome back. Uh, We're running a little bit late tonight. Uh, Got into some pretty good conversations uh, this evening uh, with some friends. So I'm running a tad bit behind, but uh, if you're tuning in, thanks for joining. Uh, We got Gary here again with us tonight. And so we are going to be talking about salt and light, um, specifically the scriptures out of Matthew 5 tonight. Um, So I want to open us up with some prayer and then uh, kind of get into uh, teaching a little bit on that, and then uh, you know, kind of see where the Lord takes it from there. So, Father God, we just lift you up and just give you thanks uh, just for who you are and uh, the amazing opportunity that we have with technology uh, to share your truth, share your word. And I just pray that uh, whatever Gary and I share tonight is from you, and that those that are uh, listening or watching, that uh, they also hear from you and uh, know what they are called to do. Amen. Awesome. Cool. So I think what I want to do, I think what I want to do, Gary, um, I was kind of flipping through scripture today and looking at stuff. I think it'd be really cool to just walk through um, the Sermon on the Mount, you know, over the next, you know, few weeks. Okay. Um, you know, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll hit a couple of them. Yeah, and we might hit more than just salt and light tonight because there's a lot there. Um, but I think, you know, the Sermon on the Mount was um, really like the core teachings of Jesus was the Sermon on the Mount. Um, you know, he had the opportunity to to preach to a bunch of people, and he took the opportunity to do that. Um, you know, at least from what I found out anyway, some of the teaching... You know, in Matthew five is, you know, it is is not hard teaching. It, it, you know, when I say hard teaching, I don't mean like it's not hard to teach. I mean it's like it doesn't like ruffle feathers very much. You know, there's not that you know, much of a pit in your stomach. Oh, yeah. But some of the scriptures that we're going to be reading, you know, I I will promise if you're watching, it, it's gonna it's gonna put a pit in your stomach. You know, if you've been living opposite of that or have not ever been taught it before. Um, and so I'm just going to warn you guys right from this over the next few weeks, you know, it, it might get a little hairy. Um, if you have questions, please shoot them in a comment. Um, but uh, yeah, so I just want to get right into it. So we're going to start out with salt and light um, and the Gary and I will kind of discuss that a little bit. I'll teach a little bit on that. Um, and then we might get into uh, Christ came to fulfill the law, but we'll see where the Lord takes the salt and light. So I'm going to read uh, for you guys right now out of Matthew 5, um, verses 13 through 16. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? 
It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Um, there's a lot there, really, in those three <laughs> little verses. There's actually, you know, quite a bit there. Um, you know, so so let's kind of start talking about salt of the earth. Like, what does it mean to be, you know, the salt of the earth? Um you know, we know that salt is used for flavor. We know that salt is used for preservation. Um, but if it's not salty anymore, right, it's it's completely worthless, yep. right? And so if we as Christians, you know, what does it mean for us to be the salt of the earth? I think in part, like, it means, like, we should bring flavor to the world. Like, we, it, it, when a Christian walks into an environment, I think that environment should change. Like there should be noticeable difference when there's Christians around um, through our attitudes, through what we're reflecting, you know, and we're bringing that, you know, saltiness uh, to wherever we are. We're bringing, you know, preservation. We're bringing flavor. You know, we're, we're you know, salt pulls out flavor, you know, and we should be being, you know, pulling out flavor, you know, from other people, Um I love a good steak, but a steak without salt is pretty gross. It's just kind of blah tasting, you know, and salt, you know, enhances that. So I think that's what we as Christians should be. And the scary thing is, is, you know, what the Bible teaches here, like if, if salt loses its taste, it's worth nothing. And it's, you might as well just throw it out, uh, to be trampled underneath people's feet. Um, and he's talking about us there. He's like, you know, and, and later in scripture too, he talks about, you know, being lukewarm, you know, and I think like if we lose our saltiness, that's like the equivalent of being lukewarm. Like nobody likes lukewarm anything. And we have to be careful that we are not uh, just being a Christian to be a Christian because we always have been, you know, we're just like going through the routine of things, you know, um, I don't know if, if people can't tell you're a Christian without you telling them, I think there's a problem. Like, I, I think they should be able to recognize those, those traits in you, yep. you know, um, you know, to tonight I, I brought Bridger. I, I picked him up after school. Um, a, a friend came with him, dropped him off at the rock climbing gym and then, um, brought him back. Um, his parents own a, a cafe here in town and, um, this is the second time I brought him there, but the first time I brought him there, I didn't really know anything about him. I didn't know, you know, if they were Christian, I didn't know anything, you know, but I walk into that cafe and you can tell that they're, you can just feel it. You can tell they're Christian. You know, the environment felt different, yep. you know? Um, and, you know, I walk in there and, you know, they were already closed and they make us a drink and they don't charge us for it. You know, and it's like, this is pre any conversation of me not knowing, right? But you can just tell when somebody is a believer and to come to find out they are and they're really committed and they have a house church. And, and it's like, you can just tell. And I think that is being the salt 
right? It's bling, bringing that flavor, bringing that change, you know, and pulling out, you know, the goodness of the world. And that's what we are really, really called to do. Right. Um, you know, and I think too often we can get trapped in just like the everyday goings and doings of life and, you know, almost almost forget we're Christian. Like, almost forget, like, hey, we're representing Jesus, you know? Um, and I think especially on, like, social media, um, the things I see on social media from people who claim to be Jesus, like, there's a lot of things that, like, if you didn't know they were Christian, you wouldn't think they were based on their posts and what they share and what they like and what they follow. Um, you know, and we have to be careful because the world is watching us, you know, and, and the world, uh, the world is like a dry steak that doesn't taste very good and is looking for some flavor. And we're called to be that flavor. And, and if we, if we don't look like salt and taste like salt, they're going to pass right by us and go in the cabinet and pull out something else. And that something else is not going to be Jesus, you know? And so we have to be careful that we, we are the salt and, and we're not losing our saltiness. And, and I think this is another area where a lot of us struggle because it's, it's intentional, right? Like being the light, you know, salt and light, they're both intentional, but like the way that Jesus talks about it here is super intentional, right? You know, it says, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand and it gives light to all the house, right? Kind of a perfect example. Like right now, like for some reason, the house is really dark tonight. I don't know why it feels so dark. Right. Um, so I pulled out all the lamps I could and turned on the lights. And like, if, if I want you guys to see me and if Gary and I want to converse seeing each other, like I can't just hide these lights behind the couch. <laughs> like otherwise they're totally worthless. Right. And, you know, and, and this is Jesus saying, hey, y'all have to be intentional. You know, you are the light regardless if people see it or not. Right. But if people don't see your light, A, it's pointless. B, you're not guiding anybody anywhere, right? You're just a lit lamp behind a couch that's serving no purpose. And, and I think that could even, you know, go down another path, right? Like so many people are struggling you know, to find their purpose and to know their purpose. Well, I wonder if those same people, you know, at least that are Christians, I wonder if they've taken a step back and looked at their life and, and asked themselves like, Hey, am I hiding my light or am I, or is my light exposed? Right. Um, you know, and Jesus says in the same way, let your light shine before others. Right. And so we are called to let people see us see that we're Christian, right? And here's something I think we in the American society struggle with, right? Um, is so that they may see your good works. Like it's okay to tell people what you're doing for Jesus and to do things that are visible to the world for Jesus. It's okay to talk about that stuff. It's not arrogance. It's not being a jerk. It's not being prideful, right? Jesus says that we want to shine bright so people see our works. Why? To give glory to us? No. To give glory to your Father who is in heaven. And, and that really is like the key behind everything is 
who are we looking to give glory to? Who, why are we doing what we're doing? Are we hiding because we're afraid or are we shining because we want people to know about us? You know, if that's the case, then we have to, you know, relook at why we're doing things because everything we are called to do is for the glory of the Father. So it's okay to talk about the works you're doing. It's okay to talk about a ministry that you have or, you know, whatever the Lord has called you to do as long as your heart is right. Because if your heart is right and you're doing it to bring glory to the Father, that's when you're the salt, right? You actually enhance it. But if you're doing that, if you're trying to shine your light for others to see you, you're no longer salty. Now people want nothing to do with you because they view you as prideful or arrogant or whatever, right? And so you know, being the salt and light is super intentional. It's realizing that you know we've been called to higher standards as Christians. We've been called to reflect the light of Jesus in the world. You know, um, Christianity isn't a, a living room faith. You know, it's not something that's just lived out in our home. Um, you know, my faith is your business. Um, those people that say, like, oh, it's my faith. You know, it's none of your business. You, you don't understand why you have faith. <laughs> like, no, my faith is your business, right? right? If I am professing to claim Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, my, my faith is your business. You have every right to look at me and judge me. You have every right. Now, how you handle that. Like, there are ways you need to handle it appropriately. But there are ways that we as Christians should be acting. We should be looking like, we should be looking different than the world. And if we're not, we have every right to judge another brother and sister. Like, hey, like, that is not how you should be living, right? right? And, and scripture teaches us that. And that's not judgment as like, hey, you're going to heaven or hell. It's not that type of judgment. It's not a judgment as like, you're being judgy, right? That's a completely different word that we've replaced. Judgment that we're talking about here is, hey, you're supposed to be the salt and the light, Gary, but you're not being salt and light. That That's not how you're supposed to be living. Like, how can, how can I help you better be salt and light? Like, that is judgment. We are called to call each other out if we're doing things wrong, but in a loving way. That's what we have to remember. This is in a loving way to bring glory to God. You know, not to shame somebody, you know, not to make somebody feel bad. It should always be to enhance the body, enhance the church, and bring glory to God. You know, if, if we're doing that, if, if we are judging another brother and sister and they feel shamed, we haven't done it appropriately. You know, we need to do it with purpose. We need to do it with love, you know, and, and that, that doesn't mean like calling somebody out on Facebook. You know, it doesn't mean writing a big long post about some pastor who did something wrong. Like that is not proper judgment. <laughs> like that is inappropriate and that is hurtful because it's out of context Anybody can see it, and that's just not the way we're called to do that. Now, if you have a relationship with that pastor, or even if you want to call him up, that's a totally different thing. And so we have to learn how to do that appropriately. That's that being the salt and the light. How do we be the salt and light? You know, we want to do things in an appropriate way where people do see that as light. What is the word? It's, it's, I don't know why it's escaping me right now, but constructive criticism, right? You know, it's like, we need that sometimes. You know, we need to be told like, hey, like, can I give you some <laughs> corrective criticism here? It's like, I love what you were doing. However, I think this would better reflect Christ, right? We need that in our lives as brothers and sisters. I mean, we're human, we're sinners, right? And we're selfish by nature. And so we need people to tell us when we're screwing up. We need people to tell us like, hey, like this is what you're proclaiming and you're not living like that. You know, you might want to, you know, make sure you're living like that if you're going to be proclaiming it. And, you know, and so we have to hold each other accountable to that. That's part of the, the being you know, the salt and the light, you know, and, you know, you can go down a hundred roads, right? You can go down the, the original, you know, language and you can go down all this road. What does this really mean? And all of these things. And, and 
the Bible is not that difficult to understand if we're willing to understand it. You no, know? and so teaching it in a simple way is important. Diving deep in for yourself is also important. Right. I've got religion degrees and all that stuff. But the way I view that, like that was more for me than it was for anybody else. That was more for me to build up my own faith. You know, so I understand things, you know, so when I am teaching, I know what I'm talking about. Not so I'm teaching somebody else so that I believe it. Right. Because like I don't want to teach something I I don't believe. Right. I want to make sure that if I'm teaching something, I understand it and I believe it. And that's really why, you know, one of the reasons I feel the Lord has sent me to school is because I needed that for me. I needed me to grow. I needed to learn and I needed to study so I could grow. So when the Lord calls me out to do things, I'm prepared for that. No, it's it's not to necessarily sit down with somebody and go through this deep theological class, right? Like there's a time and a place for that. But no, that's that's not what I believe. Like we go to school or even study for. But yes, you got any, you got any thoughts on that, Gary, about being being salt and light that we we haven't hit on um i, I just want to challenge you guys if you've just been like going if you're a christian and you've just been going through your life and nothing significant has happened in your life in relation to the gospel like if you don't have a cool story to tell um that was clearly god no i want to encourage you guys to ask yourself hey am i hiding my lamp behind my couch or am I shining it so everybody can see? Am I salt or am I lemon juice? You know, ask yourselves those questions because I promise you, when you start being the salt and the light in the world, you will have stories. Like they're just happen. Like they're just they're they're just going to be there because they cannot not be. Like they'll just develop. You know, and when you live for Jesus intentionally, being salt and light, you're going to grow. You're going to see things. You're going to people are going to see a difference in you if. Nobody can see a difference in you. If, if you're like, wow, this Christian life is boring, I, I promise you, you're hiding your light and you're becoming unsalty. And I, I would really encourage you guys to figure out what do you need to do? What is God calling you to do? You know, where is he calling you to place your light? You know, and, and what are what is he calling you to do to be more salty? I know for me, like, and, and don't feel guilty about it. Like, if you're watching and that's like where you are, don't feel guilty about it. I know for me, I was there for a long time, especially, you know, after, um, you know, pretty much after the hurricanes, you know, all up, all the way up until recently. So that was 2017. I started like losing my light. I was, you know, I was, there, there was a lot of things that happened in my life and I just, I started to be less intentional, you know, and I could notice it, you know, and then after we moved back here from Tennessee, man, like I just went like downhill. Like, it was bad. Like, I was in a really bad place where I wanted nothing to do with ministry. I was done, you know, and and I was in a bad place where I was not shining my light. I was not being salty. And God had to get me out of that. But I had to let him do that. I had to be willing to let him do that. So don't feel ashamed. Like, if you're there right now, like, God will get you out of it. But you have to allow him to let you. Because uh, I was there, and it sucked. And it's much better when you're following Jesus and you just let him use you. But it took me some time to get there. And so it's okay if, if that's where you guys are right now. So I, I think we got a little bit, little bit of time. Let's, let's kind of quick go on. I want to read for you guys out of Matthew 5, um, 17 and 20. Um, so this is another teaching uh, from the Sermon on the Mount. So this is Jesus talking. It says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot, will pass from the law 
until it all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Sure. And, and Gary, if you have any insight on this, I'd, I'd love to hear it. You know, this has been a really confusing for a lot of people. But when you look at it from like a cultural perspective and, and who Jesus was teaching and who he was talking to here and why he was doing it, it, it makes a lot of sense. So we have to remember here, Jesus is still alive. He's still on earth as you know, in flesh and blood. So he has not been crucified yet. He has not risen from the dead yet, right? He is still walking. So what that means is the new covenant is not in place yet. In 18, where it says, um, not an iota, not a dot will pass through the law until all is accomplished. That all is accomplished is the fulfillment of the law, right? And because Jesus fulfills the law, what that means is the law still has to be followed up until the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And then the law is fulfilled, right? Then what he was saying is like, guys, like, no, like you still have to practice these things. Like you don't get off scot-free, and no, I, I, I'm still here. And, and what he said is, you no, know, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. He said that almost like rhetorically because he knew the people listening knew that was impossible. He knew it was, ab- they knew it was absolutely impossible to be more, what's to say, righteous than them. And so the reason Jesus said that is because he wanted to make a clear distinction between the law and him, Right. Because in the law, right, under the law, you have to follow the law to the T. You can't, you know, you can't mess up, essentially, right? That's why you had the sacrifices, and that's why you know, the priest went in behind the curtain and, and all this stuff, right? You, it had to, you had to be perfect and righteous according to the law. And these people knew that they could never be that. And Jesus, and Jesus wanted to make the clear separation where he came and fulfilled the law, so now in order to be more righteous than uh, the scribes and the Pharisees, you had to accept Jesus in faith. And then the law was fulfilled. Then you had fulfilled the law through Christ. So it doesn't mean like you're never going to heaven unless you're perfect. This isn't like a scripture on works. It's an encouraging scripture of Jesus saying, guys, like under the law, you will never make it to the kingdom of heaven. I fulfill, I am going to fulfill the law and that's how you're going to be saved now. It's really unfathomable, and I think this is probably, you know, Gary, why Christianity was such a scandal, right? This, this is why Jesus, you know, was so insulting to so many people, because all of these things that took place prior to this, right, the the relying on uh, the, the Pharisees, you know, re- and relying on sacrifices and make all of this stuff, like, Jesus is saying, like, none of that matters anymore, like I, it's me, <laughs> it's me. Like you just have to come to me. It, it was a big deal when Jesus, I fulfilled the law. He didn't abolish it. He didn't say, okay, it no longer exists. No, I fulfill it, which really blows my mind because Jesus was exactly who the Jews were waiting for. And most of them completely missed it. And it, it's, it's really, really mind boggling. And he made it super clear, right? Even in the scripture, like he made it pretty clear that he, he's the fulfillment of the law. Um, but they didn't understand, you know, what that meant. So, Gary, what are some of those things, you know, what does that mean for us today, you know, that Jesus is the fulfillment of the law? Well, you have to, you have to go back to, you have to go back to verse 18. 
where he says, Verily I say to you, until heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. He hasn't had his second coming yet. The law includes the books of Daniel, Ezekiel, which prophesy the second coming. Uh, the Mosaic Covenant, all the, the five books of the, of the Torah, those all announce the, if you will, the small atoms leading up to Jesus, who was the true second Adam, mm -hmm. the Son of God. And you're right, he is setting the distinction between how true righteousness is found in him, not what the Pharisees are teaching, because what they were teaching then, same thing with the scribes, was uh, it was corrupted knowledge. They, it was for their benefit. It wasn't for the person's benefit. There was no, just put it this way, there's a reason that God stopped talking to people for 400 years mm -hmm. because they were so evil. And that that that's my take on it. Everything else is, is spot on, but it, it's pretty clear that till all be fulfilled, which is the entire law from start to finish, which when you think about it, you know, from that perspective, what Jesus did all that much more important because what that, what that means then is that the law still is in play and the only way to fulfill the law is through Jesus. Right. So if you, if you don't accept Jesus, you have to fulfill the law. And in the last verse there, what Jesus is saying is that is impossible. It's impossible. It's impossible. It is impossible to fill the law. So Jesus is saying here, guys, the law is still in play. The only way you can fulfill the law is by coming to me. Correct. And if you don't come to me, you have to fulfill the law. And I don't remember what scripture it is, but later on he says, no, if you believe that you have to fulfill the law, you have to fulfill all of it. If there's one part of the law you feel you have to fulfill, you have to fulfill all of it. And that's why only Jesus can fulfill the law. It can only be fulfilled through him. Right? And I, know, I guess, it, which is interesting that I've never thought of this before from that perspective, but that makes a lot of sense when you think about it. Like, the law is still in play. You still have to fulfill the law in order to be saved. But it's impossible to do, so Jesus came, so you can have it fulfilled through him, right? Which really even makes the gospel that much more amazing and important, because we all still have a law to follow, okay. and we can't do it. So we need Jesus. Like, we absolutely need Jesus. You know, and that's where I can, like, I, you know, I have come, I have not come to abolish the law. That means, that means he didn't come to take it away. Right. It's still there. It's still there. But it's only fulfilled through him. That's an amazing thought process, which I've, I've never, honestly, like I've never really thought of it from that perspective before. And that, no, that, that makes a lot, makes a lot of sense. It's just eye-opening the depth, the breadth, the width, and the depth of what God put in word. Whether it's Hebrew or it's Latin, what's in there, it's just, you can go... As deep, like it says in Psalms uh, 93, or maybe it's 143. Where can I go from your presence? Where can you go? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're, you are there. 
if I take the wings of the morning and go to the never explored areas of the ocean, even there your hand will guide me. That's exactly what occurs when we just passionately pursue him. And that's what's so amazing about the Bible. I mean, I've got three degrees in religion, and like this, this is just hitting me in, in this perspective. Wow. It's so cool, like how God's word can be revealed in different ways in different times. We never know enough. Oh, right. Like we're always learning. Like, right. Right. so don't guys, if you're watching, like, don't judge people who are super mature Christians and don't understand something or learn something like this. Like for me, like man, like I've literally never viewed it from that perspective before. But it just makes so much sense. Like, don't look down on them because we can never know enough like we are always learning we are always growing and things are always being revealed you know to us you know for some of you guys this may seem like simple like i feel like i should have known it but honestly like it was never taught to me from that perspective right like like i really i've struggled with these verses in the past right like okay like i get what he's saying mm -hmm. you know because i know jesus and i know the gospel but I, honestly like i didn't really fully understand that until like this conversation like oh yeah wow the law is still in play it's still he didn't fulfill the law for all eternity he's only fulfilled it for those that come to him right. so that that like puts you know even that much more of an urgency to share the gospel because everybody out there that's not saved through faith in jesus is like you you are committed to the law whether you know it or not <laughs> Like, you have to obey the law, whether you know it or not, you know, it, and that's a really, like, I don't know, it's like a mind-boggling thing to think about. Yeah. Cool, so I don't know if any of you guys, if that's new for you, but that was, it just makes a lot more sense. You know, it, it makes a lot more sense. I think it, it makes the gospel even that much more incredible and amazing, you know, when you realize that. You know, you know, and for anybody that like, doesn't believe in God and doesn't believe, you know, in Jesus, I had a conversation with somebody, you know, earlier today, I don't remember who it was, but you're we talking about it. Like, if you reject, like, the biblical teachings as, you know, being actual events and actual things, there's just, there's just a level of ignorance there that you don't see. Because even pagan scholars know that the bible is historically correct they may not believe that jesus is the christ but they believe in the historical accuracy of the scripture because there's actual pagan documents that document things that are in scripture almost word for word and with jesus involved and the name jesus <laughs> So all of history has accepted the Bible as a historical document. So you cannot deny that unless you are intentionally being ignorant because all of history has accepted scripture as historical. And so if you accept it, and here's the thing, it's all kind of coming to me, so if I blabber, forgive me, right? But if you think about that, if, if, if all of history has believed the Bible to be historically accurate, that means you have to believe that this stuff actually happened. And in order to believe that this actually happened, you have to believe in a law. And if you have to believe in a law, you have to believe that it needs to be fulfilled, which blows my mind how you can reject Jesus. Like, how can you know this is, like, historically accurate and still reject Jesus? I don't, I don't understand that. 
right? It's like really, I mean, it's it's a it's a blinder the devil has put on because like no sane person would accept, you know, this is a historical document that it, all this stuff actually happened. The only way this stuff could actually happen is with a with a god. It's the only possible way. And he laid out the law. You have, you know you have to follow this law. And then the New Testament comes and Jesus is the way to do that. Like, how can you believe everything up until Jesus? So if you're out there and you do not believe in Jesus and you do not believe in God, I want to challenge you to study it. Like, Jesus is is absolutely necessary. And, And scholars all throughout history have accepted the Bible as a true historical document. And... Until recent history. Until recent history. And we need to look at all of history, not just recent history, to accept what's true. All the way up until recent history, like most of the most of the uh, inhabited world accepted Jesus as Christ. Up until up until very recently. And if they didn't believe in Jesus, they believed in a God. They believed there was something out there. Scripture even talks about they had an unknown God. Up until, like, atheism is a fairly new thing where you just don't believe in anything. Like, even the Romans believed in gods. To say you don't believe in something is very new, you know, and I think that's the way the enemy is using science, right? You know, God created true science. But science can be faked. Science can be, you know, enhanced. Right, and I think the enemy is using science, and just because something is possible doesn't mean we should do it. Right, just because something is scientifically possible doesn't mean it should be done. I mean, think think about that argument and how far down of a rabbit trail you could go. Well, you could go right. It's like, well, well, science has shown. Well, what has science shown? Science has shown that you can do it. Great. Well, evidence shows that I could shoot somebody too. It doesn't mean I should. <clears throat> doesn't mean it's legal doesn't mean it's right doesn't mean it's okay yes science has shown but when you manipulate science when you manipulate truth a lie will look right every time when you're willing to accept that and you can't manipulate truth and call it truth (laughs) and expect things to work out right you know it's just like you know there's so many movies out there about that even though it's like um our oldest son has been watching jurassic park lately and I love Jurassic Park. I think it's a great movie. It's 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 fun and it's exciting. But if you look at that movie from like a scientific perspective, it is the dumbest movie ever created from a scientific perspective. Like why would you bring back dinosaurs that we know would completely destroy the human race? Why would we do that? Even if we could, why would we do that? And I'm talking from a movie perspective. In that movie, they, they, their thought process is, well, we can do this, so we have the responsibility to do it. Why? It's, it's going to destroy the entire human population. Why would you do that? Just because you can do something doesn't mean you should, right? With, with cloning and all this other stuff. Like, yes, it might be possible, but you shouldn't do it. Like, there's some really negative consequences, not only spiritually, just like here on Earth, when you start playing God... There's some, like, practical negative consequences that are going to develop from that. It's, it's a scary thing when we start trying to play God and call it truth. You know, and, and I think a lot of it, let's just go back to what we were talking about earlier. A lot of it's because we are not being salt and light in the world as Christians. 
we're just allowing everybody to do whatever they want and say whatever they want, you know, and, and a lot of it is because we're afraid to get in trouble. We're afraid to get sued. We're afraid to get hated. We're, we're afraid to get called whatever, you know, and so what do we do? We just sit back and let the world do whatever they want to do. And then, and then we just sit and complain about it. It's like, well, what are you doing about it? Like, it, that's just, we have to be the salt and the light in the world. If we're going around hating people, that's not going to show the love of Jesus. We need to show the love of Jesus, speak the love of Jesus. No, they may not like it. I'm not saying that, but we have to be doing it, right? Because how many people right now are talking and saying things that we don't like as Christians and they don't care? Pretty much everybody. Pretty much if you're not a Christian, what you're doing and what you're saying, we don't like. But you don't care. Why? Because you don't believe in an absolute truth. So it doesn't matter to you, which doesn't make any sense at all. Like, why, why can't I, as a Christian, get upset or bothered by something you're doing, but you can get upset and bothered at something I'm doing? It's completely, like, that. that is a thought process that the result is absolute catastrophe. When the only people that can be right are you. If you don't want to believe in Jesus, that's fine. I'm right. But if you don't want to believe in him, then, then don't believe in him. I'm not going to force that on you. Like, I'm not going to force you to live like that. I'm just telling you the truth. If you don't want to live it, don't live it. But that's not what's happening in the world. We're being hated on just because we disagree with something. It's like, when did disagreeing with somebody become a problem? When did talking about a subject we don't like become a problem? Right? When did it become hate speech? When we bring up subjects that we don't agree with, but when the people that are doing that, they can bring up what we're doing and it's not hate speech. And, and I'll tell you why, because Christianity is true. It's the only religion that we are told, you can't say this or we get in trouble if we say something. We have to be the salt and light guys, no matter what the price, no matter the consequence, no matter how much you're hated, no matter none of that. We have got to be the salt and the light. And I promise you, you know, there will be persecution, but I promise you the world will notice. You know, it did in scripture. Like, look at the church exploded in scripture and there still was persecution. When the church explodes, persecution doesn't stop. Like, it, it will still continue to take place, right? And here in America, I think this can get worse and worse and worse. So I'm going to warn you, the more salt and light you become, the higher probability of you being persecuted. Um, and you got to be willing to accept that. You got to be willing. Are you willing to accept persecution? Is that something you're willing to do? Are you willing to be salt and light so much that persecution is a real threat? Because it is a real threat. I, I talked about this, I think, in one of the podcasts that, that I had uh, last week with that guy wearing the Jesus Save shirt. You know, that was persecution, right. right? He was asked to remove the shirt because it offended somebody. Right. Well, who, who else is being asked to remove shirts? Because the, nobody, only Christians, right? Persecution is coming. And it, there will be a time in the very new future where we will have the first martyr in the United States on American soil. It will happen. And it's not that far off. And you have to ask yourself, are you ready? Because people, people over East, they're not only ready for it, they're willingly stepping into persecution to go share the gospel. Like we don't realize how dangerous Christianity is here in the United States because death is not on our doorstep. I will tell you what, you go east, death is on every single Christian's doorstep. And they are not only not afraid, they are willingly stepping into areas where they know they will more than likely not survive just to go be the salt and light and share the gospel. Are you willing to do that? 
Are you willing to lose your life? Are you willing to lose your livelihood? Are you willing to lose everything you own and everything you are to be the salt and light? Because if you're not, Scripture says that you are not worthy to follow Jesus. And that's Jesus himself says that. We've got to be willing. It doesn't mean we're going to. It doesn't mean we're going to die. It doesn't mean we're going to lose everything. But you've got to be willing and you've got to approach life through the eyes of your life as God's and everything you have as God's. And if you have it, awesome. If you don't have it, awesome. If you're persecuted, awesome. If you're not persecuted, awesome. Like you have to realize like you're here for one purpose and that one purpose is to bring God glory. Matthew sixteen twenty five, For whosoever shall save his life shall lose it. But whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall gain it. And that's both in like eternal and here on earth. That's right. You know, it's like the amazing thing. I, I've shared this before because our lifestyle is interesting. But when you willingly give up your life for Jesus, your life is significantly better even when the to the world it looks like it's not like you just view things differently you don't view things the same as the world does and because you're basing the quality of your life off of jesus not what you have or don't have or who likes you or who doesn't like you're basing it off of jesus and when when you have jesus no matter what situation you're in it's awesome like life is great whether you're being persecuted or not whether you're rich or whether you're poor None of that matters because you're basing your life off of Jesus. Your identity is coming through Jesus rather than the world, you know, and that's how you shine your light is when your identity is through Jesus. If you want to shine your light, you have to put your identity in Jesus, not the world, because the world will let you shine a light, but it will take it away real quick too, (laughs) right? Sometimes the world light shines brighter than the church, but then it's snuffed out really fast. Jesus isn't like that. The light of Jesus lasts forever and it can't be snuffed out. And, and so it's like, we've got to be willing to step into that. And I think that's a, a, a big struggle with the church right now. And at least in America is we're not willing to lose it all. We're not willing to live whatever lifestyle God calls us to live, whether it's rich, whether it's poor, whether it's you know in community or out of community. You know, I think a lot of us want to follow God on our terms, not on his terms. And that's not what this scripture talks about tonight. It it talks about being the salt and the light in the world on God's terms. And when we do that, everything is automatically better. Then we're like the light by default. We shine different. Like we look different. There's something, when the Holy Spirit walks in the room, he changes the atmosphere. And because we hold the Holy Spirit in us, when we walk into a room, we should change the atmosphere because the Holy Spirit is in us. That's right. You know, and... And that's being the salt and the light. It's not necessarily something you're doing. It's who who are you? Are you a follower of Jesus? Do you have the Holy Spirit? Are you letting him use your life to be the light? Because you'll be a light in the dark place even if you don't have a flashlight. You don't got to turn nothing on. If you've got the Holy Spirit, you're going to be light. And then when you're light, then you can do those things that you want to do. Or do those things we're called to do. Because the light's already shining and you don't got to try. You know, it's like, if you got to try to be the light, then that's all works and that's not what it's about it's like the holy spirit is the light you just gotta let them shine through